everybody welcome to episode 54 of the bomber brothers podcast brought to you by the pinstripe alley community of podcasts sean and ryan here to talk about another season in review as we look back on memorable seasons in yankee history while there are it's no baseball season right now um, i guess real quick sean we can touch on um jeff passan's news breaking a, a couple nights ago where there seemed to be some sort of hope that MLB was going to try to have a season and soon uh, talking about having games as early as May where basically everyone would be isolated in Arizona um, for four months seven inning double headers to try to get as many games in as possible players would instead of be gathered in dugouts be sitting in the empty stands six feet apart uh, no mound visits to eliminate uh, much contact between players, pitching coaches, things of that nature. So a lot of uh, a lot of ideas that were seem pretty drastic and, and to be honest, unrealistic. Just given everything going on still in the world right now, as as we try to get this pandemic under control, it just doesn't seem really feasible that MLB would start playing games as early as next month. Yeah, I don't think that can that can happen i think the whole plan is kind of ridiculous and um i, I don't see i don't see it happening um it's just it, it's it's sacrificing too much to you know to to get any sort of baseball in terms of what you're actually doing to the real product and what you're asking the players to do to be away from their families in the middle of this basically self-isolated for you know probably several several months I just I don't think it's a realistic option. Yeah, it, it was cool to kind of see um, see that news break like seconds after the tweet came out and be like, oh man, like can this really happen? And then you start reading and you're like, okay, maybe not. Yeah. So that's it. Um, but I'll tell you what is realistic is um, Garrett Cole's wife in the bullpen. Yeah, it's got a nice slider. Sure does. That yeah, I saw that video. That was I think Pitching Ninja did it. Uh, did a motion tail behind it as mm-hmm. well. So everyone should go check that out. It's pretty funny and um, pretty impressive, also. So uh, if um, yeah, maybe maybe Amy Cole's the next uh, next Cole to sign a mega contract with the Yankees. Well, hopefully it just starts on time and not uh, delayed because of this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, so do you want to uh, get into 1998 since there's really nothing else to uh, nothing else to talk about in terms of anything going on in the here and now? Yeah, there's re- there's really not. So yeah, let's get into 98. All right, cool. So Sean picked 1998. I'll I'll let 
him get started talking about it. I don't think we need to really ask why he wanted to pick it. This is still, in my opinion, the greatest team of all time. But, Sean, go ahead and, and take it away. Yeah, I was watching the season of their lives, uh, on, which is on YouTube, by the way, if anybody wants to check it out, uh, on the 98 season. And it just, I mean, I, I picked it because to me, it's the, it's the ultimate year. I mean, 96 has the great ending, the great comebacks and everything like that. And it starts everything, but 98 is really the pinnacle of, I think, Yankee baseball in our lifetime. They, you know, they go wire from what the 29th of April to the end of the season in first place. And then they only lose two games in the postseason the whole way through. And, um, you know, set, they set the American league record for wins um, most wins in a regular season when also winning the world series. Um, so I, I mean, to me, it was, it was the perfect year and, um, and really the perfect team. I, I, I mean, when you look at the numbers across the board, every Yankee was, you know, contributing at an above average level, uh, at every position, whether it be uh knob lock at second or, um, you know, the, the combination of Shane Spence, and Daryl Strawberry and Chili Davis and Tim Raines in left field and DH. Um, it, it was just an, an incredible team. And, I mean, I don't know about you, but uh, to me this team's really special because this in 98 we move from Edison to Washington. We really don't know too many. There's not much to do up there. No. So watching Yankee baseball every night was pretty much what we had to do. And then watching the highlights on uh, SportsCenter in the morning. And... Um, yeah, I mean, to, to have that team um, that summer when we were hyper-focused on it was just absolutely incredible. And, uh, you know, probably the, the best summer of watching baseball in my life is, is watching this team. Yeah, absolutely. I would I would agree. This is, uh, I mean, 96 was the team that got us into the Yankees. 1998 was the team that kind of put us in awe of the Yankees and I think kind of sparked this... Uh, spoiled childhood era where we kind of expected the Yankees to win the World Series all the time because you know we're young kids and we see the Yankees win 114 games and aside from a blip in the ALCS we're pretty much dominant during the postseason and it was like okay this team is for the most part coming back next year they're probably going to win it all again and of course they do but yeah 1998 still in my mind the most dominant uh team in baseball history i know yahoo sports just did their best team ever bracket as everyone's kind of doing now to to kill some time without any sports and the 1927 yankees won it and the 1975 reds beat the 98 yankees in their semifinals um but no i still think it's the 98 yankees that should have won that bracket and, and should be considered the the best team of all time to do what they did during the regular season, winning 114 games, and then to march through the playoffs like they did in the wild card era is uh, about as impressive as it gets. Yeah, I, I mean, I understand that there's been teams that you could say might be better, but this team was so well balanced. It's it's un- I mean, it's unbelievable. You had Scott Brocious batting ninth and, and you know putting up an 843 OPS, a 121 OPS plus, and he was your worst hitter basically. Um, just such depth in the lineup and I mean you think about who got big hits for that team and like it wasn't always Bernie or Jeter it was Tim Raines you know hitting game tying home runs in the ninth inning or Tino or um 
you know, you had Ricky Day coming up with big hits. Shane Spencer has the big, the big month. And then you have a rotation where Andy Pettit, one of the, you know, one of the stalwarts of the Yankees dynasty is your number four starter. Cause you have David Wells, David Cohn. Oh, and then this guy, El Duque just comes, you know, seemingly out of nowhere from Cuba, uh, to go 12 and four and put up a 3.13 ERA. So you combine that rotation and lineup with Mariano Rivera, Jeff Nelson, Mike Stanton, Ramiro Mendoza, Graham Lloyd. Um, there's there's no weakness in that team, and and I, I th- one of the things I remember is that this team wasn't always blitzing teams, but it was just they would wear them down with their depth, and they could beat you in you know three different ways. They could come out and, and onslaught you. They could shut you down for a couple innings with your starters, or they could just keep the game close and, uh, and and win it while their bullpen shuts you down. So the team could win in any way possible, and I think that's why they had. Um, such a great postseason. I mean, they they really lose one game that they deserve to lose, and then the other game is just you know the knoblock play um, on the bunt. But um, the season don't start out great. You know, there's something like a fire, something like it traded after they start what one and four. Yep. And um, and then they 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 turn and and as Paul O'Neill says, they write a pretty good book. I mean, I know we reference that point all the time, but after that. They just take off. Yeah, it's pretty incredible to think that this team had to have like a serious sit down team meeting to talk about like where the team was going when you look at what wound up happening, but it really didn't get off to to uh to a good start. Of course they take off after that. I think they I think they they get to about thirty six games over five hundred. They then they get to 61 and 20 I believe at the all-star break which is just absolutely insane and just keep on destroying teams they get a little complacent in September but then turn it back on in time for the playoffs and and like you said this team just was so balanced and and I think the other cool part is you think about like I said a team finishes 61 and 20 at the all-star break and has one guy starting in the all-star game and that's David Wells which is obviously they had plenty of reserves, Brocious, mm-hmm. Bernie, O'Neill, Jeter. They they were all reserves. Um, but David Wells was the only Yankee to start in the 98 All-Star game. That's, I think just goes crazy. to show just how, again, just how balanced this team was. Yeah, before they had that, that slide, they were 89 and 29 <laughs> on August 14th. A cool sixty games over five hundred. Sixty games over five hundred. That's incredible. And I think they actually pushed it to sixty one games on August thirtieth, and that would be the the oh no, sixty two games on September first. That's their their high water mark. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. Um but obviously within the, all those great games, there's some some milestones along the way. Um you know, like I, I I think they take first place in a walk off at the end of April where Tim Raines hits a home run to tie it and then they win it in extras. It's so funny watching the old games, by the way, and watching the infield alignments and you're just like, yeah. why are they, you know, this is awful. <laughs> and I mean, like, of course, balls find holes and that's the way it works. Um, but I think the, the first memorable moment um, besides, you know, the opening day bonanza where, 1713 or whatever it was back and forth game with the A's. And then that, that game, uh, is beanie baby day. 
Yeah, I was going to say the home opener as, as my first game that stuck out just because, like you said, the wildness that happened. I mean, the Yankees won that game 17-13, and the A's scored all of their runs in two innings because they, they scored five in the second and then eight in the fifth. And the Yankees uh, did it a little more consistently with uh, crooked numbers, two in the second, five in the third and fourth, and then four in the fifth. So they uh, they kind of kept... They kind of kept pouring it on, and and your guy had had the big day. Uh, Tino went three for four with five RBIs that day. Yeah, yeah, I remember. I, I remember watching this game, but it was a Friday. I don't. I wonder if we had like spring break or something. But um, yeah, you, I remember. Do you also remember one of the uh, pitchers for the A's? One of the pitchers for the A's. One uh, one of them might might stand out. Uh, not off the top of my head, no. Aaron Small. Oh, classic. <laughs> he'd, he'd play a, a big role in, you know, about seven years for the Yankees. <laughs> yep. He uh, I was, gave up, gave up, um, gave up a double to Daryl Strawberry and, 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 uh, intentional, let's see, intentionally walked Chad Curtis. Nice. Why? So Daryl in this season, Strawberry hits two pinch hit grand slams in the ninth inning. The first one was against the Royals. Who was playing center field for the Royals that day? Hmm. I don't know. Johnny Damon. Oh, yeah, of course. And then and then his second one that he hit against the A's, didn't Kenny Rogers start that game? Uh possibly. I don't know who started. I'm gonna have to but, I'm gonna have to look that up when we get closer to it. I know that was later in the season. That was in like August. Yeah, there were some there were some good throwbacks, but um, yeah. Yep. So it was they, Ken, uh, Kenny Rogers. Nice. So they get they get rolling, and then uh, you know David Wells is out of shape in Texas, according to to Joe Torre. Yeah, and uh, he comes back and has a good start, and then his next start is um, is May seventeenth, and I think we didn't watch that game together because I remember I was at my friend Eric's house, and Mom called me. Well, called Eric's mom and, and told her to tell me to, to turn on the t- the Yankee game, and uh, we we watched it there together. When I guess you guys were watching at home, so what what was it like seeing the first per- first perfect game? We actually like sat down and watched. Yeah, well, first I did watch it at home, but only the second half of the game because I had a little league game earlier that day, and I remember why it was. I'm re- I remember it being so memorable because. When yeah. I was when I was walking to my game, there was a bunch of buses at our little league fields, and I like and I asked mom or dad like what what are they all doing here? And they said oh they're going to the Yankee game. And I was like wait man like I kind of wish I didn't have a game so I could go. And then you realize after the game like damn like so many people from our little league are seeing history right now, and they all went just because everyone wanted a damn beanie baby. I had a nine a.m. game that day, and um. And I remember there were kids from my team that were at the game, and jeez, that would have yeah. been nice. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> no, but yeah, we were. I don't remember it too well. I know we. T- I know we watched the game once we got back from from um, our little league game, but the game was two hours and forty minutes, <laughs> which is that's that's where that's right where MLB wants to be. So if they can just have David Wells throw a perfect game all the time. Um, that that would be uh, that would be ideal for the league. But I think I think the thing that uh, 
that stands out to me the most is, is probably the uh, the Lede play. Oh, where he loses the ball in the sun. Yeah. It, it reminded me a lot. Obviously, I didn't watch this one live, but it reminded me a lot of the one-game playoff in 78 where Lou Pinello almost mm-hmm. loses the ball in the sun and he just kind of sticks his glove up and stops it from going past him. And if it did, it would have been disaster and the Yankees probably lose that game. It's just funny how you know you're like you're blinded for a second and just kind of using just instinct like put put the glove where kind of like you think it's going to be and and get a little lucky i think that's kind of what happened there but other than that it was just really cool to to see history and this for the first this was it for us for the first time i mean i know i don't remember anything about dwight gooden's no hitter in, in 96 i remember being told about it that's it yeah so that this was kind of the first pitching history for us to watch and and it was it was really cool really cool that even though we were young wells and cone both throw their perfect games during day games so we're able to on the weekend so we're able to watch them but uh yeah that was that was awesome i remember watching it with my friends and we all went nuts we're jumping all over each other uh when o'neill makes the catch with the great reaction and then um they carry boomer off which he looks a lot more stable up there than Cone. If you if you watch the video back, <laughs> which is interesting, because uh, Wells was a big guy, but um, yeah, that was really cool. And uh, yeah, I think that kind of sets the tone. You know, it's going to be a magical year. Yeah, and and it's a game where the Yankees really weren't pulling away either. It was it was I mean, two nothing in like the seventh or eighth inning. Yeah, exactly two two nothing in the seventh. Um, the I think the opposing pitcher was Latroy Hawkins, who Yankee fans probably know well because of uh, a number choice later in his career when he comes to the Yankees. <laughs> um, he was really good when he was with the Twins uh, as a reliever. Yeah, when he became a reliever. The, um, um, and another another big moment of this game, Daryl Strawberry hit a triple. <laughs> Get out talk, the game. Talk about that. history. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things we missed, uh, early in the year is when the stadium falls down, the the beam falls through the stadium. And I remember for some reason I was, I think I stayed home from school sick or something. And I watched the game where Daryl hits the home run at Shea, which is awesome. And the apple goes up and then Mm -hmm. it stops halfway. (laughs) And I remember I was at Gary's house, the game, they came back to the stadium and Steinbrenner, like, I remember the lot of like not great things, but him, he was funny, like sitting in the seat that would have, that the beam would have fell into yeah. and going nuts when Daryl hits a home run in their grand slam or whatever it was in the first inning. So, uh, that was kind of funny, but, uh, that was the early season. And then, um, then they get rolling and you know, you get the Wells perfect game. And then I think another point that, I mean, like there's probably like two big regular season things that people think about and it's the Wells perfect game. And then the, the fight with Benitez, which is like a week after the perfect game. Yeah, it's, uh, wait, is it? I thought it was like only a couple days after. Uh, I think you might be right, actually. I think it's so like two days after. May 17th, right? Yeah, and the, um. Oh, yeah, so the fight's May 20th. So it's, yeah, three days later. Yeah, so the, um, Orioles had a 5-1 lead. The Yankees, as they often did that season, come back, uh, Bernie hits the big in the um, whatever inning it was, the eighth. So I would say the big 
the guys that were throwing the biggest haymakers. Obviously, Graham Lloyd is one. And then, I don't know, Jeff Nelson, I think, got got in there. Well, Daryl, I mean. Yeah, Strawberry, too. Yeah, I I think my I think my favorite moment of that fight. One, I love the view when the all the Yankees just come out of the dugout and you could tell they mean business. They're not just yelling like they're just like we're yeah, you're done. Um, but Brocious gets Benitez by himself right in front of the Orioles dugout and you could tell it's one of those moments where it's like Brocious knew he cut off yeah. more than Pichu. <laughs> and then Daryl just comes out of nowhere and like throws a left and just like connects with the side of Benitez's head, which is awesome. And then I love seeing uh, when it spilled into the Orioles dugout, Joe Torrey in the Orioles dugout, like with his arms around Daryl Strawberry. Yep. <laughs> there are some really good moments in there. Um, but I mean, that team, you couldn't mess with that team. And that's what it was all about. Like that team had a lot of the 98 team had a lot of like great uh uh, great, great talents, but they also had a lot of toughness. And I think it showed in that fight with Nelson and, and Lloyd and Daryl Strawberry that, you know, you don't mess with our guys. And, um, and, you know, Tino was one of those guys and, uh, Bernie hits a big homer. No, no, no excuse to drill a guy right in the back like that. Yeah. And uh, I mean, the Yankees had the most boss response to that ever because the first pitch, <laughs> once the brawl is finally settled and over, Tim Raines hits a home run. Yeah, now, obviously, a lot of I would have liked to have seen him pimp the shit out of that, and that would have been a cool way to kind of claim victory in that brawl. Yeah, for sure. But uh, I, you know, I think the the guy in the bleachers that has that reaction is uh, speaks <laughs> for all of us. And then Steinbrenner again with some good quotes. How could you feel? We took it right to yeah. him. And so how do you feel about him? <laughs> Aren't you proud of him? <laughs> so. That was, I mean, that was that. You know, that's it. And then th- th- they get rolling. Away we go. Uh, and it's it's weird. Like things happen along the way. David Cohen gets bit by a dog, so they have to call up this uh, Cuban defector in Orlando Hernandez. And uh, El Duque is born in in the United States. Like apparently, he's a big star in Cuba, which we didn't know about as you know, ten and eight year olds or no. eleven, not however old we were. Um, and watch the the documentary that uh, the thirty for thirty or whatever it is that ESPN Brothers in Exile. Yeah. yeah, highly recommend. That is one of my favorite thirty for thirties. And I'm not just saying that because of the El Duque part. Everything with Levon Hernandez is incredible. Also, highly recommend that to to everybody. And I think there's a book on it as well. I can't remember what it's called, but um, yeah, go ahead, go ahead and. Uh, recap uh his debut and which is in early june so it's shortly after the brawl yeah i um i remember watching that game and i also remember watching the game against the rangers where he struck out like 13 guys um but it was just you know it's this guy that um you know you don't know much about and he comes in and he's good and not only is he good but he's clutch and i mean we'll talk about it later but he saves the season and um I just I think it was another thing like part of the magic that they had that year because you know the year before you bring up Hideki Arabu and he's supposed to be like this phenom and he he sputters out he doesn't pitch horribly in 98 but he doesn't become what you you expect and then it's like okay well let's see what this El Duque guy is and he's great he's got the cool wind up um and I, I mean I don't know about you but for a guy that only really pitched for what four years for the Yankees 
he yeah. quickly becomes one of my favorite favorite pitchers. You know, one of the money guys you want. Like I remember, even though he wasn't great in 2001, when they were down two games to one in the World Series, there was nobody else I would have rather had on the mound than El Duque. El Duque, like you said, was had a short tenure with the Yankees, and if we were doing our quote unquote Mount Rushmore of pitchers that you would want on the mound in a game seven, he'd be on it for me. It'd probably be something like him, Pettit, Tanaka, and I don't know, maybe Cone. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna go with Cone. But yeah, I mean he was yeah, like you said, he was uh he was money in the postseason. He was money when he first arrived and what a cool story like you said to to defect from cuba to come to the yankees in your first game give up just one run over seven innings and he was even better in his next start he pitched a complete game allowed one run again struck out nine over his first three starts 27 and a third innings struck out 28 guys and allowed just seven earned runs pretty awesome i'm looking at his game log now and wait what? How how could he pitch twenty seven and a third innings and three starts? Wouldn't that be? Oh, I'm sorry. Three, I'm sorry. Three, four starts. Four starts. Uh, yeah. I it, check you. Over three. Over three. Over his first three starts, it was twenty three and two thirds, and, and it allowed was just so, four yeah. runs. It was so cool. Like nobody knew how old he actually was, and I don't think they still do. Baseball Reference has him at thirty two, um, but yeah. And and they keep pounding away. You have you know that you get him, and that bolsters a rotation that has Pettit, Arabu, who's having a decent year, uh, and then the two Davids, Conan Wells, just at the top of the rotation. You know, Cone wins twenty, Wells goes eighteen and four. Incredible year. I'm looking at El Duque's game log, and man, there are some gems in here, mm-hmm. like eight and a third shutout innings with thirteen strikeouts against Texas. A complete yeah, game shutout. Game. A complete game shutout with nine strikeouts against Boston. But then there is this one blip against Anaheim. Three and a third, ten earned runs. Oh, that's going to hurt the ERA. <laughs> yeah, but no, that's, it's just a phenomenal season overall. I always uh, like Anaheim. Still gives me the creeps. Like they always, they always <laughs> scared me. Like I always, like I felt like even when the Yankees were really good and Anaheim wasn't, they always had trouble with them. Yeah. So. Anyway, so, I mean, that's really the way the season goes up until the end, and they get a little complacent. Tori has, I mean, am I skipping over anything big? I mean, uh, well, we said we would t- touch on Strawberry's pinch hit grand slam because he did have two of them that year. Oh, yeah, relatively big, yeah. Yeah, and, and like I said. One tied the game. Yep, and Kenny Rogers was very effective for Oakland that day, and then Tino and Tim Raines. Um, open the inning with singles and then what whatever you know everyone i'm well i'm assuming everyone because i've i've watched it a ton the youtube highlight of this home run but i think what gets lost is what happened right before it because chad curtis hits that ground ball it goes through the third baseman's legs and that's what loads the bases for strawberry who pinch hit for joe girardi and then the other big part about that after he hits that pinch hit bomb to dead center field was uh, Bernie's celebration in the dugout. <laughs> he's like, yeah, he's like one. kicking his legs out while flailing his arms. It was, it was interesting, but yeah, that, that was the only other thing I wanted to, to touch on because that was, that was pretty cool. Yeah, that was, that was good. And then, I mean, like along the way, there's some really good, good wins. You get, um, 
the game against the Phillies where Tino hits the three run homer with two outs in the ninth to tie it after hitting a home run earlier in the game, I think as a pinch hitter and then Lede wins it in extras. Um, you know, you have the series against the Braves. You have the Bernie hits a walk off home run, the 50th anniversary of Babe Ruth's death. You have, you have uh, Ripken's streak ending against the Yankees. Yeah. 2,632 games. You have Tim Raines um, reaching a what, – how many stolen bases was it? 800, I think. Yep. Yeah, Tim Raines reaches 800 stolen bases. So a lot of milestones. You have Shane Spencer going off after nine years in the minor leagues. It's it's ten home runs in eighteen games. Yep, absolutely incredible. An OPS so, of one six two one from from pretty, August seventh to the end of the season. Yep, pretty pretty, pretty good. A two thirty six OPS plus for Shane Spencer in ninety eight. That'll get it done. <laughs> um, but you know, after they clinch in Boston, scoot around there uh, as, as Don Zimmer with Joe Torre <laughs> mic'd up for that game, which is awesome. Um, they kind of slip and they have, you know, the, the first meeting where Joe gets angry, I guess. And, uh, they refocus right after that and, and get super hot. And a lot of that is due to Shane Spencer, who hits three grand slams and 10 home runs, which is just another thing. And then on the last year, he hits his last grand last game of the year. He hits his last grand slam and, uh, and Bernie wins the batting title. He comes out in his bath slippers yep. to, uh, to wave to the fans and beat Mo Vaughn, right? Yeah, beat Mo Vaughn. Uh, Bernie hit like 339. Like he beat him like 339 to 337, I think. Yeah, 339. So just a, a you know, an all around great year. Um, and, and I mean, they did it with big guys. Like Bernie only played 128 games. Jeter, Jeter missed. Um, Jeter missed some time. Tino missed some time after Mo, he got Mo hit. missed some time. Yeah, Mo as well. Um, and they get into the division series against Texas, and it's you know I mean it's just beginning to end the regular season is such a such a treat uh, to see this team dominate. And aside, aside from that slide in September, nothing goes wrong. Um, and I think one of the things that gets lost is that the division series, which comes up next, is actually a really really tight series they you know they they allow one run i think to the rangers but none of the games one run one run total no you're right they were all close it kind of felt like i mean we we did 2012 last week and it was had a similar feel where the yankees weren't necessarily hitting very well but the pitching was so dominant that they were able to to win the series obviously this one they were able to sweep so it was a it was a little less stressful, but yeah, these games were all close. I think uh, let's see, two two nothing, three to one, and four nothing. Again, one one total run, and the and the Yankees were just the Yankees pitching staff was just dominant. I mean, Cone went five and two thirds shutout innings. David Wells went eight shutout innings with nine strikeouts, and then Pettit allowed the one run over seven innings, and he struck out eight. So they the pitching staff was was dominant. There wasn't uh, Shane Spencer hit two home runs. He was he was the big uh, the big catalyst as he carried over his hot streak from the end of the regular season. O'Neill, I know O'Neill had a big series, including a home run, and that was uh, that was pretty much all they needed. Yeah, um, 
I, you get the last Shane Spencer, like 98 moment where he hits the home run in game two. Great call by Bob Costas. Mm-hmm. And, um, the, the, you know, I think the thing that stands out the most of that series, aside from they get some good games is, um, that, you know, the Daryl news breaks right before game three. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, it's, you know, Cohen goes five and two thirds and, you know, Cohen and strawberry have been teammates since what, 1987, yeah. something like that with the Mets, with the Mets. And he goes out and shoves, um, for his buddy. And they, they had the 39 on their hats. And I remember I wrote 39 on my fall ball hat. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Um, and and they they take care of business, and then they get a rematch of the previous division series in, in the ALCS. Game one goes according to plan. They rock Jared Wright. Jeter yeah. makes the the play, the the backhand jump throw play. Very very small ball rally too. Yeah, that's that's pre shift baseball. That's what it was like. They just yep. balls found holes. It wasn't. I, I I would love to go back and like replay the games, but like see what would happen if the defenders were shifted. That rally probably doesn't happen. I know. It's crazy. Um, but it's amazing there weren't more runs scored back then than there were. Um, but um, you have the great game one. I remember Dad told me about the, the Jeter play, and he said and Jeter got so much on the throw that if Tino didn't catch it, the ball would have went right into the stands. I was like, so Tino saved an error? <laughs> but, uh, it it, is, it is pretty incredible because Jeter makes that play a couple more times in his career but bounces the throw to first. I mean, how the yeah. hell he got that much behind the throw to where Tino literally had to reach above his head to make the catch is still crazy to me. That's That was definitely like – that was the probably the first play I saw as a kid where I was just like, wow, that was like the coolest thing I've ever seen. And what sparked me to watch that Superstar Shortstops VHS like 20 times before that – that tape burned out uh yeah i I think that was the first play that it because it's something that it's simple enough that everybody could try it as a lefty as a lefty i have to kind of invent the situation (laughs) where i I need to throw over to third which i tried to do in the finals last year and didn't go well um and that was just a normal throw um but i I like the stories that everybody would line up at short on the yankees and and try it and nobody Mm -hmm. could really do it um so that was pretty cool but, the, you know, Wells' pitch is great in game one. Game two, things kind of come off the rails. They they fight with Charles Nagy. O'Neal hits a homer. I remember O'Neal, like, got hurt that game. Like, he hit his head really hard. Yeah, O'Neal's I, getting hurt in the playoffs against Cleveland a lot. Yeah. Because he, he, was, he was hurt in 97 when he hit that double, which mm-hmm. almost almost helped them stay alive in the series. But... But, yeah, they were they were tied going into the into the 12th inning, and then, as Michael Kay said, Chuck Knobloch pulled a rock. Also also went 0 for 6 in this game. Not good. So not, not good his Chuck. best. <laughs> you think this yeah. is the game that started the yips? <laughs> um, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised, but it really didn't catch on until 2000, right? Because 99 he was no, still I know, I just uh, No, 99 he did have problems because I remember it was it, during Cone's perfect game. When the ball gets hit to him, you're just like, "Oh no!" Yeah, and, and, Cone, and Cone, told, Cone told us, "Wow!" in uh, in our interview with him, right when full count came out, that uh, that was one of the moments where he was most nervous about, um, yeah, lo- losing his perfect game because of the yips. Yeah, that was uh, that was scary. Um, but yeah, I mean, th- then they lose the next night. Pettit gets rocked. And they're down 2-1 in the ALCS, and they have Del Duque on the mound, who we don't know a lot about. 
he didn't even pitch against Texas. And um, as Joe Torrey said, he knew he wasn't going to be nervous because that morning he's, he's serving people food at brunch time. The yeah. day he's going to go pitch to try to save the season. And he goes out and pitches great. And uh, it, 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 it's the last moment where the Yankees have to panic. Yep. Well, Joe Torrey wasn't panicking, like you said. But, yeah, seven, yeah. seven shutout innings. I, I, think this is, um, I think this should go down as probably the biggest game of the season, biggest, biggest win of the season. In a season where there wasn't too much drama other than this, this was, like you said, this was the one point in the season where you started to get a little nervous because of all the momentum Cleveland had. This game was still on the road. Cleveland had just hit four home runs off Andy Pettit the night before. And uh, and El Duque just shuts him down, ties the series, and then all of a sudden the uh, it just kind of feels like the Yankees are back in control. But Game Five wasn't wasn't a gimme either. The I mean the Yankees score three in the top of the first, but Cleveland comes right back, and and it's another close game. Yeah, the um, interesting by the way that Cleveland doesn't go back to Jared Wright in Game Five. They picked Chad OJ. By the way, do you know who started Game Four for the Indians? Uh, Dwight Gooden. Gooden. Yeah. So O'Neill hits a home run. He catches that ball at the wall in Game Four. Then you go to Game Five, and I think this was the game that the fans in the Cleveland bullpen were were teasing David Wells about his mother who had passed away or something like that. Yeah, something and stupid. He, yeah, and he pitches pitches fine and, and goes out and uh, gives them a nice little hat tip as he leaves the game. But um, <laughs> yeah, it was a close game early, and then the Yankees do what they do. They just chip away. And uh, Chili Davis has like kind of the I missed the most of the season with that the ankle surgery or whatever, and then he he comes back and does does some good work, yeah. and then they go back to not the to the Bronx. Yep, and they uh, this time it's not as close. The Yankees kind of finish finish the series. I mean, the Cleveland scores five in the fifth, but I mean, really, besides that, the Yankees dominated this game scored six runs in the first three innings and and yeah. away they go and away they go i remember jim tell hit a grand slam that game yeah that would explain where the five runs in the fifth came from yeah well plus one they had to get some something yeah. else in there too but i i think the th- the player i remember most of that game is not i think brocious hit a homer that game but the thing i remember the most is the um the jeter triple where Manny Ramirez climbed the wall and the ball hit. And the, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that was funny. A foreshadowing of many times we'd see Manny do questionable things out in the outfield. Gotta love Manny. And then it's on to the World Series. And it's kind of anticlimactic because they have like the, – the Rangers had been built up as a rival. The Indians had been, been built up as a rival. And then you get to the World Series and you're playing the San Diego Padres – like not the Braves or you know anybody with any history, but the Padres. Yeah, but Game One quickly uh, quickly gives us plenty to to be excited about, and there's plenty of tension there. And then obviously we have the comeback in Game Three with with the Brocious heroics that helped him get MVP. And but yeah, other than that, the Yankees were pretty much in control from the seventh inning of Game One on. Well, that's I mean the seventh inning of Game One is. is one of my favorite innings to go back and watch. And I think uh, if I get one moment from 98, it's the Tino grand slam. I don't, I don't know about you, but I remember watching that. It was incredible. And it's not only the grand slam, but it's, you, you have the redemption of knob earlier in the inning where he hits the three run Homer to tie it. 
uh, Tino takes a Tino a struck two, out. Tino takes a two, two pitch that was clearly low. Or <laughs> out, I, I don't know. So it was it was somewhere. It was a strike. Uh, it was a strike. But but he but hey he gets the call and, and still you still got to make the next pitch. So and he still hits the grand slam. Yeah, absolutely incredible moment. Uh, I love the I, I love watching that replay of the of the grand slam and. Um, I mean, Tino becomes, uh, you know, he's the Bantino after that. He's a big, big clutch player, and and finally, you know, comes up big. I, I mean, for me, that's the best moment of the year. Tino's always been my guy, and uh, and that was awesome. I remember it was my my eleventh birthday party, and we were all at uh, at the house, and all my yep. friends were over, and we watched that, and it was it was great. I remember the Ricky Leday double too. Yeah, good good was, call by Joe Torre playing Ricky yeah, Leday yeah. that day, for sure. And uh, then game two, you know, Bernie and Posada hits home runs. I've never seen a, a replay of the Bernie home run without the catcher's mask view, ever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm talking yeah, about? They, yeah, they I haven't either. Do that. Yeah, so Bernie hits one. And, and El Duque, again, pitches great. Um, and um, they go to San Diego, and Brocious has a game for the ages. Yeah, this is um, – this would probably be – this and the El Duque start and, and the Tino Grand Slam. Those are These are the – the highlights of the season but you know you had you had the mo versus trevor hoffman aspect of this series which mo clearly showed why he's the best of all time and uh and hoffman struggles a little bit just a bit yeah and this is this is the game where brocious pretty much claims the mvp yeah i mean i Brocious has some really good home run reactions. I sent you, I think I sent you a video of him having a walk off in 99 where he just kind of like hits it and throws his hands up in the air. But, uh, this one to dead center is, is great when he throws his hands up rounding first. I think that's probably the, the image that we think of the most when we think about 98 is Brocious doing that. And, um, yeah, then they, they win game four in a sweep in the weirdest rally ever with balls bouncing off home plate and taking too long to come back down and just crazy um that that rally and, and Andy Pettit um pitches his second road game in the World Series and, and fails to give up a run again. So, you know, <laughs> Pettit Pettit's Pettit in in the postseason again and um Mo comes on and it's over. I mean they're the greatest team, in my opinion, they're the greatest team ever because they won the most regular season games and still managed to win the World Series. I think that counts for something, the way that they're built to sustain that success. And that's what baseball is about, is sustained success. They didn't crap out in the playoffs. Um, they didn't uh, sell off their wins in the playoffs to gamblers or whatever. Um, they were just dominant start to finish. Yeah, nope, totally agree. This is the uh, this is the best team ever in, in my mind. I don't think uh, I don't think the 2001 Mariners can can say that because they've won more games in the regular season, but you still have to take care of business in the postseason, and they got absolutely spanked by the Yankees. I think that's so poetic, and we'll yeah. talk about that in 01, but it's like the, the team that challenges them just a couple of years later, they, the Yankees take care of them. Yeah, to say the least. Yeah, so, yeah, no, this, this was, and I think it's because this team was a real, real deep team, and, um, you know, think about the postseason heroes we talked about, and it's, it's El Duque, it's, um, you know, Chili Davis having a big game. It's Tino, it's Knobloch, it's Brocious. Jeter makes a bunch of great plays. Bernie, it's, it's so spread out and you get solid starts 
I mean, who has the worst start of the, the postseason other than the one Pettit start? Um, well, Wells in game one of the World Series. That's it. You have two bad starts. Wells in game one and Pettit in game uh, three of the, AL, uh, three of the ALCS. That's it. Yeah, Greg Vaughn tormented Wells in game one. That's That was about it. Yeah, that's it. All right, well, uh, I guess in keeping with the habit of jumping around eras so we can keep things fresh i'm going to you don't have to do that if you don't want to no i kind of want to all right Um, what's your draft pick all right i'm gonna go with an interesting one and say 2007 oh that's a good that's an underrated year i see i thought i was the only one that really liked those seven but i think the comeback in the second half is absolutely incredible yeah i mean it it gave us a we'll talk about this more next week but it, it like gave you a reason to sit down every night and be fully invested in, in every game down the stretch, which honestly is not something that we were too used to because by the time we got down the stretch to the regular season, most other years as fans, when we were younger and teenagers, it was already, it was already sealed up. Mm -hmm. All right. So 2007 is next. Any, any other closing thoughts on, on the best team of all time? Well, I just, where does 98 rank for you? Uh, Is it your, your top season ever? Well, ninety six like in terms of is. enjoyment. Ninety. Well, oh, oh, in terms of enjoyment, okay, then yeah, ninety eight because yeah. that's one that I can still remember. Um, a lot of points of like watching it and following it and watching the World Series. It would be yeah. ninety six if that were the case, but I was still pretty young and only really remember a few playoff games. So, ninety eight felt like the first season that we really like watched regular season games every day, like we do now, and were fully invested in the team from start to finish. Uh, yeah, I, for me, that 97 was the first year I, I paid attention every day. Um, probably why Tino was my favorite player, because he had the monster start in 97. But um, in 98, I remember, yeah, the, just the way that it felt watching the team, just every every game you, you knew they had a good chance to win, and that was, uh, that was awesome. And, um, you know, we didn't even talk about it, but there's a whole other storyline in 98 with the home run chase, which is also absolutely yeah. incredible. Um, but that's it, I guess. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks to everyone for listening. We will uh, see everyone next week to talk about 2007 and just hope everyone's staying busy and staying safe. And I don't know, playing a lot of the show to quench the baseball thirst. That's what we've been doing. I'm thinking about putting Glaber at second and Glaber at short now that I have the face of the well, franchise. You, can, you can't do that. Why? Because you can't have two of the same players on the team and won't let you. Oh, God. Yeah, Damn so it. I have Glaber at short and DJ at second. That's my configuration right now. Nice. Yeah, I'm currently working on – I'm going to try to recreate the uh, Braves rotation and get Glavin, Maddox, and Smoltz. Thank God be Smoltz. <laughs> All right, well, uh, again, thanks, everyone, for listening, and we'll uh, talk to you next week. See you later, everybody.